There are people that really prefer and have strong preferences about how they write JavaScript to the point where they'll spend time changing your code to match the way that they want to do it. How do you make both those people happy? Well, you make a style guide. Every project I've started or used, it's always included the ESLint plugin for the Airbnb style guide. One of the things that I actually found very helpful was having a style guide to like give me the sort of like the bumpers to learn how to do JavaScript. Linter is king around here. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another episode of Jamstack Radio. Today, in the room, we've got Cassandra. Hey. And we've got Harrison Schof, software engineer at Airbnb. That's right. Cool. So I actually, I, I think I emailed you or maybe hit you on Twitter. I don't remember which one it was. But yeah, randomly saw that you had a lot of contributions to the Airbnb style guide for the JavaScript one. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I wanted to have you on to talk about that. But before we jump into that, you've got a pretty interesting story of how you got into actual engineering. Can you briefly share with the audience how you got into engineering? Sure, yeah, quick story here. I grew up as kind of more of a designer. I spent a lot of time in Photoshop and Illustrator and uh, ended up uh, going to school, trying to figure out what I wanted to study. Took about three years or so, much longer than my parents probably wanted me to take. And uh, I hopped into electrical engineering because it's fun to build things. It's kind yeah. of like a adult Legos kind of thing. I did no like, zero research into what life was going to be like after graduating with a degree in electrical like engineering. Like most of us do. Yeah, so I was very confused when I reached my senior year and I was finishing my project and it was time to go interview and check out jobs. I was like, oh man, that was this isn't really what I wanted to do. So after I graduated, ran out of money pretty quick, moved back in with my parents. You know, They wanted me to find a job, so I started as a valet at a hotel up in Seattle, Washington. And uh, that's a quick way to kind of motivate yourself to get a different job, because I thought I would have a career. Not that it's, it's not a bad job, it was a great job, but I just was looking for something else to do. So I started picking up kind of web design, taking the, the designs I had, trying to put them on websites, learned HTML, JavaScript, that kind of thing. Just started picking apart different websites, things that I thought were interesting and cool. Started teaching myself how to do all this stuff. Uh, slowly, I just, you know, over the course of a couple months, felt pretty good about it and uh, thought it was time to start interviewing at companies. So I was yeah. like, I was too scared to go and try to apply to a big company. I was like, there's no way Facebook would have me or Google would have me or Amazon. I'm not that kind of person. So I was like, I should find a startup, like small little company that would be willing for me to do anything. Uh, you know, if it was just pick up the garbage or something like that. So uh, <laughs> you mean like write CSS? Just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> nice. And so uh, you know, I picked up a magazine. I think it was like Inc. Magazine's top thirty under thirty. I was like, what are these people doing that I'm not doing? And that's where I discovered Airbnb. Oh, three, wow. three design or two designers and an engineer started this company. I was like, that's crazy. I didn't know designers could start companies. Reading up on them, learning about what those guys were doing and how they were working, just kind of I felt drawn to it. I guess and. You know, here I am today. So I use the Airbnb style guide, which yeah. is part of the reason why I knew where to look to find you. But every project I've started or used, it's always included like the plugin, the ESLint plugin for the Airbnb style guide. So can you explain how how did Airbnb's like format for writing JavaScript become like so popular with ESLint? Like how did that connect and where did it get started? Yeah, it's kind of like a two uh, two prong process here. There's there's really two uh, type of people, engineers, let's call them, that yeah. uh, 
that deal with these kind of things. There's a person like me who doesn't really have a preference about how they write code. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you want me to not use semicolons, that's totally fine. I know how to do that. You know, if you want me to match up my brackets, that's cool too. I don't really have a preference. It's like, just tell me what you need and I'll do it. And then there are people that really prefer and have strong preferences about how they write JavaScript. And yeah. to the point where they'll spend time changing your code to match the way that they want to do it. And they're generally not too happy to do rewriting someone else's code to make it the way they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how do you make both those people happy? Well, you make a style guide. You you figure out what your consensus is on how you want to what those rules are for everyone. It's like those are the rules for the game. And then you bring in a referee, which is a linter. So you, you kind of have two pieces there. You need a style guide and then you need someone to enforce the style guide to make it real. So when we first started the project back in 2012, one of the first commits we ended up adding was a, a sublime linter plugin to actually enforce some of these rules. And yeah. Not everyone had it on, but eventually, you know, uh, more and more people started to see the benefits. So it was a very casual, organic method that we started adding it. And then in the big move to ES6, when we did that, that's when we started looking into ESLint. We had other kind of uh, linters in there as well, but ESLint was taken off really quickly for a number of reasons unrelated to us, but they had this nice plugin feature where you could kind of write your own rules, say which ones to enforce, which ones you didn't want to enforce, and that was uh, exactly what we were looking for. And you know, the rest was history there. Yeah, and uh, so at the time, I remember JSHint was pretty big with the ES5, and uh, but I know it wasn't as customizable, so I think that's probably the reason why ESLint, as you mentioned, like kind of picked up speed. Plus the fact that like I so I come from the same background where I didn't have a professional like upbringing into writing code. I kind of just learned as like whoever taught me would teach me could teach me, and I'm I was pretty impartial to whether semicolons or how to write my functions either anonymous or with names and all that other stuff. And uh, my start in JavaScript was until last summer. And it was during me learning ES6 um, by converting nice. some CoffeeScript to ES6. And one of the things that I actually found very helpful was having a style guide to like give me the sort of like the bumpers to be able to understand like like I don't know how to write perfect JavaScript, but if this linter is going to like force me to write it properly, then it makes it my job so much easier to, to learn how to do JavaScript uh, because like if I just completely mess up on like syntax or don't like reassign a variable or something like that, like the linter is going to tell me. So like Cassandra, I know you have more experience with like the Go community, and with Go they have the format tool. How much experience have you had with coding? Ooh, not much experience with coding. Not much, but the one thing that I really like about Go is that they have one way to do it, and the format tool actually forces you. So there's no there's no discussion in your PRs about hey you know you should really like not write you know semicolons here or hey you should really you know um, not use Oxford commas or anything like that in your your program like yeah like there's a big big uh, conversation about like tabs versus spaces which I don't even know if that's oh, really yeah. a conversation a but like war yeah yeah why you don't need to get in like an actual like religious war about whether or not to use tabs or spaces or whether or not to use semicolons because you can just say hey linter is king around here so if you don't like it send the PR to the linter. Yep. So, which is like awesome. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is that uh, you know, pull requests should be focused on the code and what it's trying to do. You know, what feature are you adding? What are you changing? Let's talk about what's actually happening in the process and not you know doing this kind of nitpicky stuff that a computer can do for you, which yeah. is what we're finding. That's the big benefit now. Code reviews are better, faster because you're not dealing with other things, and that's the beauty of having a linter around. Yeah, and you can really get down to like the nitty gritty about like actually writing challenging code. And code that actually works properly because you're not focused around, you know, Johnny Engineer or whatever, or Samantha Engineer, whoever. 
equal opportunity. But um, we don't have to worry about like someone complaining about like like you said, like <laughs> something so silly as like where you put your commas or how you structure your arrays, which is awesome. So with that being said, so why is the Airbnb style guides like so pop like why is their plugin for ESLint so popular out of all all the other ones that are out there? Like was there a blog post that happened or oh, something? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean it, it really just kind of happened organically. The community just kind of picked up on it, and started using it. You know, I'm I'm surprised myself to be honest. You know, it's just we've been very responsive to to the community when they open up pull requests, when they send a, a request or want to talk about different portions of what our rules are and how they work. And uh, I think people have just been uh, responsive to the fact that we've been so responsive and supportive. And we want to learn together. We want to bring the whole community up and not just uh, ourselves. Did it fall in line with the actual business growth? Did you notice that oh, as yeah, the business absolutely. grew, just the style guide got more popular? Definitely. I think you know doing more to promote the engineering brand at Airbnb uh, definitely helped. A lot of people didn't know that we were so serious about JavaScript. I mm-hmm. think that was a big thing, and uh, getting out you know our thinking behind JavaScript helped mm-hmm. a lot of people understand you know some of the problems we're tackling and how we're tackling them. Yeah. So there's like not just the the style guide. So there's the JavaScript side. There's also the CSS side, which also is very helpful because. Similar to JavaScript, CSS. I know you didn't start this, but CSS. Yeah. It's also very hard to like get rules around how to write good CSS. Oh yeah, and CSS more than JavaScript can get like really a big ball of mess. You can um, get out there quick, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So like, just to have like all those decisions about like, oh, I don't know if we should use like BIM versus whatever, or whatever is out there. Like to me, honestly, I'm not as advanced in my CSS because I've always just used whatever style guides like already in there. So. Whatever it tells me to write and how it, I should structure my code that way, like I just do that. So I don't have to think about like how to organize my code, but I can just think about like how to make things purple, like where it needs to be purple. Oh, great! I mean, that's that's the way to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Big shout out to Mike Fowler who wrote the original CSS guide and SCS. We use SAS as well, so we have both in there. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of kind of off tangentially on that line was that he. Uh, just started it one day. Just realized we didn't have one. Why didn't we have one? We were doing all this stuff for JavaScript for a number of years, and then he just opened a pull request for the new CSS guide, and that's that's just kind of how it evolved. Yeah. That's how it starts. Is that three style guides that Airbnb has, or so the JavaScript one mm-hmm. is uh, in its own repo, and then the CSS and SCSS are in a separate repo as okay. well. But also in the JavaScript one, we combined React and JSX. Okay. You can find it in there, kind of how we write React at Airbnb. And then you can also find our Ruby style guide. We're a Ruby on Rails shop, yeah. uh, as well as some Java services as well. So we have style guides for those as well that are so. You got style guide down. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of curious from an outsider's perspective, from you writing the actual starting style guides and Dougie, you using style guides, what makes a great style guide? That's a good question. So ESLint has this plugin system where you can have different like pre-made plugins or yeah, like basically these packages of pre-made all the styling rules. So you don't have to, me as an engineer, I don't have to like think about every single situation of how we should write our code. I could just import Airbnb's ESLint uh, plugin, and then all the decisions are made for me. So anyway, I can get a, a project up and running with little effort and just like get down to the code of writing the code. Me personally, that's what makes a good style guide for me. I don't know, Harrison, if you've got something out on it. I mean, since you started this, you yeah, had, yeah, yeah. You, you def, I, I don't think we even touched on it, but like the reason for happy to go more into it. Too. Yeah, so there was definitely complaints about like whether or not like certain things should be written. 
Yeah, I mean, so as your your team and projects grow, your code base is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, at that point, context switching gets really expensive, depending on how many people are changing projects or moving into a different code base. And for us, you know, the way you make that less expensive to switch context so often is to make it seem like every piece of code in your code base was written by you. So make it feel familiar when you open that file. Uh, so that way when you jump into a new project, maybe it's been around for four or five years or something like that, and uh, you feel right at home. It's not something that was written in a very drastically different jQuery spaghetti style or um, in an old deprecated ES5 style that we're not doing anymore. You know, making it feel very familiar when you jump in, that's, that's kind of the big yeah. point there. It makes it easy for all engineers. And I'm sure you guys have internally Airbnb, you don't just have an entire monorepo, you probably have multiple projects. We do. So the main site is a monorepo. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. And then it's talking to a bunch of services as well. Okay. So it's doing, it's doing. Are the services also JavaScript or you guys use something else? No, we, we so we do have some JavaScript services, um, but we have a lot of Java services and then some other Ruby on Rails services. Okay. Rails. So I imagine if someone were to go from Ruby on Rails and then they get a feature, maybe I'm not sure if, how you guys separate your teams. Sure. But if they have to jump in and do a little bit of front end or tease it around, to have that context switch of going from Ruby on Rails to JavaScript, it's, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but it actually is kind of a big jump because yeah. JavaScript is written differently. So if you keep writing your JavaScript code like Ruby and you push it to a, a pull request, um, <laughs> yeah. and then someone has to review that, you know, that's, that's pretty painful to have to keep going back and forth to fix it. Oh, absolutely. That's the easy way to end up with uh, global variables and things changing yeah. all the time. Yeah, like, exactly. What's going on? That's yeah, just how JavaScript is, works. And then, so you also touched on you guys use a little bit of React as well. Yeah, and big time. you guys also do a really good job with style guys there too. Um, React is really popular about they don't have many conventions. Right. Yeah. So since you guys now are using a, a React style guide, yeah, the way you write React in your project or whatever project or whatever component inside this this repo, you don't have to worry about like. Whether if you Harrison write it wrong or whether Samantha Engineer writes it wrong, like it's going to be written the right way uh, based on this fallback, which is your linter and your style guide. Absolutely. I mean, in these kind of frameworks and systems that don't really have conventions, aren't built that way, you want to have them when you're on a big team yeah. um, working together. We fell into that trap with Backbone uh, a long time ago, not having conventions. And uh, everyone just kind of did it a little differently. So we kind of took those lessons. And when we started using React and started moving off of Backbone into React for our views and all that, we wanted to make sure we had the conventions before we started having everyone uh, writing React right off the bat. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was also going to add that. Uh, when you do have the conventions, it makes it much easier to go and modify those conventions over time because you know it's always written the same way from before. Oh, yeah. So I would you know, check out a project or a blog post on Code Mods by Joe Lencioni on the Airbnb blog. He wrote about how we transitioned from ECMAScript 5 to ES6 yeah. and the process we went through to do that. And by having it all written one way in a similar style, it made it very easy to go find where that style happened and then convert it using code mods into ES6 style. So yeah. that's how we did that in upgrading a, uh, transitioning an old uh, code base into a more updated one. Awesome. So you've been at Airbnb for five years now? Coming up on six. Coming yeah, up on six. Coming up so six, you've yeah. been so the, the team's obviously not a startup anymore. Like you've guys yeah, it's yeah. it's probably a, a pretty well sized team. Yeah. So you've probably seen engineers come and go in the past almost six years. How is it getting new engineers or specifically JavaScript engineers on the team? Is it do they find it challenging to learn your way of JavaScript? 
Oh, we hope not. Yeah. Uh, we, we think you know by having it open source already, people have viewed it and maybe checked out before they started working at Airbnb. But if not, that's totally cool as well. Uh, what we do is we have a boot camp. So when you're a new hire, you show up, you go through kind of a boot camp, two-week boot camp, where we introduce you to how we write JavaScript, what our stack is, and how it all works. And uh, that's how people get onboarded really quick. They, come, they graduate from this boot camp, they join their team, and they are, they're ready to go because they feel confident and understand how it all works and how we do things. It's not you know, new to them. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, where did that idea come from? I believe that started at Facebook. It was okay. kind of the model where it kind of came from. Cool. And it's been working to great success uh, for our company. How long have you guys been doing that? Oh, a couple of years now. Maybe two years? One and a half years. Very cool. Yeah. I think we've probably had 300 engineers go through boot camp, something like that. Quite a bit. How big is the um, Airbnb engineering team? Oh, uh, it's big now. Big-ish. I don't know. I don't know the exact numbers. I'm sorry. Yeah. Airbnb is like what? Over 500? Yes. Over 500. Wow. And now you guys distributed throughout the the world or US? Yeah. We have, uh, let's see, 22 offices, something like that. Yeah. Uh, We have probably five main offices around the world. Um, Three of them we're doing engineering work in. So we have San Francisco office, Portland office, and the Seattle offices. So we're all kind of on the same time zone right now, and that's just kind of an easy way to do distributed uh, engineering work for now. We'll we'll see what happens later on. Yeah, honestly, I'm not really sure how far our reach is as far as audience. I mean, we're a pretty new podcast, so but I'm pretty sure there's someone out there hasn't heard of Airbnb. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, if you haven't, I highly recommend it. I used it when I first moved here to the city. And, I have uh, used it many times traveling, and it's great. And the customer service is phenomenal. All right. Well, I haven't had to use the customer service yet. Yeah, but unfortunately, I did oh. with one particular host, but the response was was great. So yeah, I've, I've seen some blog posts on on Medium and stuff about uh, Airbnb's customer service and how how responsive they are, um, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Well, we do have a portion of the podcast where we go into picks. Um, I, I like to call these jams, uh, jams. for obvious reasons. Oh, um, but right. before we, g- <laughs> that actually reminds me. I was listening to the first podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, realized wow. we're starting a thing, so bringing gifts and we've got some jam. Wow, we along got- with the jam, I got maple syrup. Jam and maple syrup. Wow, awesome. We're gonna have. We still have the jam from the first podcast oh, unopened in the office. I don't I'm, know if you even noticed that. I did. I didn't know where it was from, and now that I know, I'm gonna be trying the bacon jam from the first episode soon. So maybe I'll report back how that was. Looks like we have fresh strawberry jam from Trader Joe's. That's right. Yeah. I'm liking that. And so, uh, we have maple syrup, which I don't understand. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. That just is encouraging us to make waffles. Okay. In the office. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, that. Yeah, if Chris, if you're listening, we we want a waffle maker, <laughs> and we want a waffle maker employee too, because that way we don't mess up the waffles. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, very cool. So yeah, I didn't even ask you before we jump into that Jamstack. It's a it's a term that we we have in the intro of the show. We explain like what it is. But what is your opinion in Jamstack? It's a term that we're trying to push as a podcast. Have you heard the term before? Uh, before this podcast, I had not, but it's a familiar concept. I'm yeah, glad yeah. that it has a name now. Yeah, yeah. So we do get a lot of pushback because Jamstack is just like it's it, it's basically marketing. But what we had trouble like trying to explain like all these websites that are focused on the front end. So we did have the term static, which static was so limited. Now we have sure. websites that can do like pretty awesome stuff in like in JavaScript. Like React on a front end React site is actually Jamstack. So 
though you guys use Ruby on Rails, your front end portion actually is tech, technically part of the Jamstack. So anything that has JavaScript, an API, so which is your Rails server, and then anything that uses markup, so ERB or if you use JSX or whatever. So me and Cassandra actually work in Netlify, so we host Jamstack websites. So that's what the term is. Yeah, we're just trying to spread the jam. Spread and the jam. Obviously, you're helping us by bringing some jams. Yeah, I love strawberry. But I did ask you to think of something that gets you going, something that you're excited about, you're you, you're willing to share with the actual uh, community and the the listenership. So, do you have any jams, Harrison? I got a couple jams. Okay, but uh, I'm going to start with first jam since we're talking about style guides. I'm highly highly going to recommend this book called "If Hemingway Wrote JavaScript" by Angus Kroll. Uh, it's a beautiful way to understand that there are many ways to express different ideas, yeah. and he does it in a very, very great way. And the illustrations are wonderful. Uh, Angus Kroll, uh, yeah, I've never heard of it. Oh, great book! Got to, okay. got to check it out. Uh, he has also has a great blog on JavaScript as well. It's where I, you know, did a lot of my initial uh, readings on JavaScript and learning from it. So, shout out to Angus Kroll for putting together some great work and a beautiful book on shelves now. Other jams for me right now on the music side. Uh, it's from Aesop Rock. It's called The Impossible Kid. Just yep. came out a couple months ago. I think it's the album of the year for me personally, but I'm a huge Aesop Rock fan, so that's okay. probably uh, kind of sways it a little bit. I can keep going. I got other things, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if you got them, if you got them, all right. Um, I would highly recommend for if you're a startup, if you're a company, uh, if you just work in this field to go through uh, unconscious bias training. Uh, we went through it ourselves at Airbnb. Uh, all employees, you know, when you go through boot camp, you go through unconscious bias training as well. Uh, we did it with a, a sorry. Company. What's unconscious bias? You yeah, it's it's these things that you. Um, it's these suggestions that you might not know you have. Yeah. Uh, that influence maybe decisions or things that you're doing that you didn't realize you were doing. Oh. And so we, you know, in in our industry, you can see things like uh, in interviewing, hiring, compensation, performance reviews, meetings, all of these things. Uh, unconscious bias can come into it and have an effect on that. And uh, uh, the more you're aware of it and kind of talk about it, the better. So I recommend unconscious bias training to everyone. Very cool. Yeah. So I, I actually have a jam. My first jam is actually going to be Kanye West. Uh, I know I picked um I didn't pick him for the first episode, but I did pick a podcast about Kanye West. But I want to pick Kanye West and the Life of Pablo. I actually got a chance to finally listen to it shortly after the first podcast, and uh, actually enjoyed it. And uh, I liked Kanye West's style. I like that. I like his music. His personality is uh, I don't know. It's 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 borderline whether or not I like it or not. But He's a guy who came from a nobody who was making beats for Jay Z back in the day to being coming, you know, an actual rapper that people actually uh, a common name in most households. So he's got that going for him, and he also has this new album going for him, which actually is really good. It's a it's a big uh, transition from what he's done in the past. Um, he's also collaborated with a lot of different people. So I highly recommend checking it out. It's on Spotify, which is part of the reason why I now can listen to it because. I don't do title or Apple Music, but um, yeah, check it out. Life of Pablo, Kanye West. I tend to mention him in all my uh, my meetup talks. Uh, I'll have. I didn't do it at the SF Rails, but I did do it last night at the the Ruby SF RB. And uh, most conference talks, I'll do a Kanye West reference. Right. Um, I do have another pick. Connect JS is coming up next month in October. Hopefully by that time, the podcast will be out. If not, we will have a recording on YouTube, uh, and I am going to be speaking at it about making designers Ooh. happy with React. I'm looking forward to that. 
uh, with it being in the Dirty South, I'm probably going to have some Dirty South references as well as Kanye West <laughs> references. So uh, be on the lookout. I also have another jam, which is The Get Down. It's a Netflix original series, which is about uh, hip hop in the Bronx. I'm familiar with like hip hop in Atlanta and hip hop in New York, but specifically in the Bronx, I don't know anything about it. Um, so it's like late 70s, early 80s hip hop and how it got up and running and started. So this is like the uh, Grandmaster Flash. So like turntables, um, break dancing. And okay. it's like, it's basically watching the phase of disco end and hip hop start in the Bronx, which is pretty awesome. I can't actually make a jam of Jaden Smith's acting. Because he's off, he's an actor in it. Uh, but if you can get past his acting, it's actually a pretty good show. Got to check that out. I haven't seen that yet. Cool. And Cassandra, we're gonna look to you for finishing up with our jams. You got anything you want to jam about? Music, beverages, food. Ooh, oh, I do love food. Uh, I had some really good pupusas yesterday, but I don't remember the name of the restaurant in the Mission. What is a pupusa? It's like a. Uh, Flour and corn masa, so it's almost like a tortilla, but not stuffed with beans, cheese, and pork. And then you eat it with like a cabbage coleslaw deliciousness and salsa. And it is pretty awesome if you have not tried pupusas. They even had a, a t shirt that said, <laughs> I love pupusas. Yeah. Wow. That would be awkward if I saw that shirt because I know what a pupusa <laughs> is now because I moved to SF in the yeah. Bay Area. Um, but outside of living here, I've never heard of it. I've had one in my entire life, and uh, yeah, they're, I can I can attest they're actually pretty good. But yeah, if I saw a shirt before I moved here and said I love pupusas, I'd be like, I see. The funny <laughs> thing is, I'm not the biggest pupusa fan. I've I've grew up with them, just not the biggest fan. However, this particular place. They did this thing with the cheese where it kind of melted out and just like burnt on the bottom. And I love burnt cheese. It's like that piece on the lasagna that you just want to, you know, eat it off. It's like my favorite part of lasagna as well, the burnt part. So I think that's what sold it for me was the burnt crispy cheese. However, my jams, other than the papusteria, which I can't remember the name of, I started reading a book that I think I'm really late to the game on, but I'm in love with it so far. It's Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. And uh, I don't know if either of you have read that, but I am a huge Ender's Game fan, the the entire series by Orson Scott Card. And this book was suggested to me, and I guess it's maybe in the future or set in a different time than we are uh, with a lot of sci-fi and fantasy tendencies. And it starts off with the deliverator who is this pizza delivery guy. And he has to take his job very seriously. If his pizza is late, he will die. So it's, yeah, I know that was my face too. And someone (laughs) described it to me, a look of what, but it's been great so far. I'm a few chapters in. And so I'll let you guys know how it goes. Another jam. If you haven't watched Stranger Things on Netflix. Oh yeah. It was pretty freaking awesome. Oh yeah. I've finished it and I'm really sad that it's over. But it's being renewed for a second season already. Which, yeah, of course Fast. it is, because it was amazing. Yeah. I jumped, I got teary-eyed, you know, I, it was the whole nine yards of my emotions. Awesome. Well, that kind of concludes the entire podcast. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up there. Harrison, I really appreciate you coming 
all the way from Airbnb, which is down the street. Just down the street. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah, Awesome. You. And then if anybody wants to find this style guide or find you on the internet, how can we find both of those things? Of course. So on the internet, point your machine to uh, github.com slash Airbnb slash JavaScript. That'll take you to the style guide and link you to all of our other style guides. Um, you can check out all of Airbnb's open source work at airbnb.io. Um, cool. Check us out, our blogs on Medium, medium.com slash uh, Airbnb Eng or at Airbnb Eng. I think they do it that style. Yeah. And then uh, you can find me on Twitter at H Shof. Uh, it's spelled H Shof, though. H S H O F F. It's been happening my entire life. <laughs> ah. Well, Harrison, thanks again and continue to spread the jam. Jamming up. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 